The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grampuche is a visionary hour answering your now you can ask the questions it doesn't get better good morning Dr. Grampuche so thrilled to see you and you're looking so lovely in your bright spring yellow good morning Shannon how are you I'm good I'm in a silly mood today which is a good place to be hey we're saying good morning already to Johanny from Pennsylvania and we're saying good morning to Sam as well which brings me to the fact that this show is interactive. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your concerns. There's so many ways to interact right now. We are live. I, I believe I heard this morning that we are live on 18 different platforms, which is kind of crazy to my brain. But uh, I don't know if all that's true. But I do know for sure that we are live right now on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And apparently today we are still live on Periscope. We know that that's going to be ending because Periscope is ending. But we're those of you who are watching from Periscope, I can see you and I see that you're here. So that's wonderful. Please be prepared, though, to migrate to one of those other platforms, uh, because we do hear that any day now Periscope is going to be um, morphing and shutting down for a little while, morphing into something else. Good morning to Danielle and to Shazman. Shazman, we're so happy to have you here. Um, Danielle, we're happy to have you here too. Danielle is writing in from South Carolina and Shazman is in England. Huma is writing in from Pakistan. We, we got everybody in the house this morning. This is wonderful. I so it. I also, isn't it great? I want to remind you that we have a homepage. It's autism-live.com. And for a while, the, the live show wasn't playing on the homepage. It's back. So you can also be watching the live show on the homepage. And here's the other cool thing about when you're on the homepage, autism-live.com. Um, if the show isn't live, you can be looking through all the other shows. We have thousands of shows that we have done here on all kinds of topics. And we've got about 14 different ways that you can search videos and topics by category, by topic, by speaker. Um, you know, you can search by text. Uh, whatever, whatever you would like to do. If you find you can't find something on the channel, would you please do me a favor and let us know? Because we don't always know how you guys look for something. It's all about keywords. Let us know. Because if there's a keyword that we haven't put in, we'd love to know and we will add it in. I also want to say that the show is available in podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're a free download. So please check that out and take us on the ride with you. Take us on the walk with you. You can download in some places like on iTunes, you can download both picture and sound, but in a lot of them, you can just get the audio file and take us on the go. We really like that. So thrilled. And Traven is showing you on the screen for those of you who are watching the video, some of the different ways that you can connect, but again, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Having, that was a lot. There's a lot there, but we're excited to be in all those places. Uh, Evelyn's got a question for um, for us. She wants to know if we could discuss children that are nonverbal. Some of the children have been affected um, about COVID-19. Our granddaughter, who was potty trained, went backwards and not using the toilet, asking for help and any suggestions. Yeah. Uh, and and I didn't get a chance. To, I didn't really introduce you, Dr. Gramsci. <laughs> How remiss am I? So in case you don't know, I'm silly today. Uh, I don't know what my problem is. But uh, Dr. Grampuche 
is, a, is an amazing expert in the field of autism. She's been working in this field for far more years than you would believe to look at her skin. Uh, but she is a true expert in this field. I like to say, because I believe that it's true, and she's won awards to this effect, she's a visionary in this field. Uh, she's able, because of her experience, she's able to look at it from all different sides, what it's like for the individual on the spectrum, what it's like for the family, what it's like for people treating them to help everyone to get to the best amount of progress as effectively and efficiently and as compassionately, compassionately as possible. So we adore her. Uh, I, I also want to say she's the founder of the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, and she's the founder of a wonderful charity called Autism Care Today that to date has given out, I believe it's, it's crested $2 million worth of aid and support to families for the things that they need. They're, it's an amazing organization. She's an amazing person and an amazing expert. However, here's the disclaimer. You ready? There is no expert in this field or any that could give individual specific advice in this format. It would be an insult to suggest otherwise to the individual. She doesn't have eyes on the situation. What she can give you though, if you give her enough information is the benefit of her vast knowledge, which will help you to go back and ask more and different questions so that you can get to the progress that you deserve and the progress that your loved ones on the autism spectrum deserve. All right, now Dr. Grandpuche, what would you like to say about um, nonverbal children being affected by COVID and perhaps regressing. We have a grandmother who, or a grand, yeah, grandmother who says her, her granddaughter was potty trained, wet, has regressed, and is now not using the toilet. And she's looking for help and suggestions. Yeah. First of all, thank you, Shannon. And it's always lovely to be here with you and with our viewers. And it's amazing that we have so many people from around the world. Um, so let's go at it and see what we can do. Um, so first I want to say, I, I guess there, I want to acknowledge the fact that COVID has been very, very difficult for all of our families, uh, much more so. I think uh, obviously COVID has been difficult for everyone in the world, but I don't think people recognize how difficult it is when you have a child at home with autism and, and you're dealing with all of the COVID issues. In fact, Shannon, this morning when we were speaking, I'm gonna, I was going to suggest that the next article you and I work on should have to do with everything COVID has, uh, how parents are dealing with COVID. And uh, it, it is almost over, I hope, in most of the world or start on the decline, but it is very difficult and I want to acknowledge that. Um, and uh, secondly, though, I want to say uh, to this grandmother, please don't worry because especially with potty training, there does, uh, it, with or without COVID, there are phases where potty training will uh, regress or go backwards. It is not uncommon uh, for a child who has been potty trained to decide that they don't wanna use the toilet. Uh, you have to go back and just redo the potty training procedure. I'm not sure how you taught her in the beginning, not sure how old she is, but you just kind of repeat the procedure. And uh, uh, again, remember to all of our viewers, when you want to change your behavior, whatever the behavior is, you reward good behavior, right? So you can uh, assist the child, help them, uh, and when they do actually use the toilet, really, really reward them. Now, toilet training, the regression of toilet training and certain other things uh, very strongly suggest the child is trying to exert control. Um, and that might mean that there are other aspects of the child's schedule that have changed, which, you know, COVID would explain that. Um, and they don't like it. And they're trying to exert control over their schedule, over their activities. Uh, you know, the whole process of anything having to do with uh, refusing to use the toilet or holding or that kind of stuff has to do with control. So I would say that don't worry, this phase will, you know, like try to get the child's uh, daily schedule, um, maybe make it visual. Like a lot of times when my children uh, have control issues, 
I will give them a schedule visually so that they know what's coming during the day. Um, you know, I, I saw another viewer had written something about anxiety, and I just want to comment that there's so much anxiety that our kids experience. And because of the other symptoms of autism, sort of like they don't communicate, they're isolated, et cetera, we over it over those symptoms of autism tend to overshadow anxiety. Um, but at the same time, I think we have to kind of pay attention to the anxiety issues. Control, when, it ex when we're trying to exert control, it's always an underlying anxiety about change. And so um, that's kind of the psychology of it. But in terms of behavior, don't worry. Uh, with potty training, it goes back and forth a few times before it stabilizes. So I would go back and, and just reintroduce the procedures again and reward highly. Okay, and thank you so much for that. Uh, we do have somebody who's written in and said, my son is six years old, autistic, and was just diagnosed with type one diabetes two weeks ago. Uh, he also has anxiety. Is there any resource that I can get for my son? I don't feel comfortable leaving him with anybody, anyone but a nurse. Send in yeah. her a hug, right? Virtual hugs. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a tough one. I mean, you have a lot of things going on. What I would do is I would probably try to stabilize. I do two things at the same time. I would try to get a team of people to support me, first of all. Like I always say, and I know it's easier said than done. But it's super important if you just get temporary help. Uh, if you can get maybe, you know, cousins, brothers, sisters, family members to come in and just assist for a month, let's say. They don't have to be there all the time. They just need to give you a little bit of support so that you're not the prime only caretaker, right? Um, you you kind of try to build your team so that you have some help. Um, I would get the diabetes under control first, and I would make sure that whoever is in my child's life is trained to deal with the diabetes. I mean, that's the only, that, was, that would be my first priority, uh, is to make sure that everyone is uh, able to deal with whatever, if, if there's uh, injections that need to be given, or if there's something they need to deal with. Uh, should he, uh, you know, have any other type of like a seizure or anything, you just want to make sure everyone is trained to deal with the diabetes. Okay, so that is your primary goal. Um, in terms of anxiety, there's a lot of things you can do to help anxiety. That would once I have the uh, a plan of action for the diabetes and I start putting that into place, I'll focus on the anxiety. And with anxiety, there's a lot of things like. As I said, one of the things is a visual schedule of the day. Now, again, I don't know your child. Sometimes our kids can read. Sometimes our kids are very communicative, so you can just tell them. But a lot of times it's helpful to have a visual schedule. So what that would look like is, for instance, you know, a picture of the child waking up, then a picture of what they want. They, let them choose. Let them choose. Uh, what their breakfast will be. So you can like the previous night, the child can choose tomorrow I'm having this, then put the picture of that breakfast. Then if there's a person coming in the house that who's gonna work with them, uh, hopefully you are able to get a team of behavior analysts or behavior technicians or you know filling the child's day with various types of teachers or instructors and you put those pictures in. So, you know, after breakfast, we're going to do two hours of this kind of activity. And then we're going to have a snack. And then we're going to have, I don't know, we're going to go uh, to do read something or do class time. Whatever the schedule is all the way through until they uh, go to bed. And that really, really helps because then what you do is in every day, you, as the activities change, you will first go over to the child and kind of point out, and the child will get the idea that if they don't know what's happening, they can go to their little schedule and they can see what the day is going to look like. That's a big anxiety reduction tool is just letting the child know what's happening that day. There's other things you can do, of course. A lot of times, and again, because I don't know your child, I apologize, it might not relate, but... 
a lot of times our children have anxiety because of their senses and because of uh, sensory input. Shannon, as you know, a lot of our kids have, uh, they, over, they react to visual uh, sensory input or auditory. Auditory is a big one for children who uh, are terrified of the sound of, let's say, a vacuum cleaner or they hear things that we don't even hear, like a truck down the street or so on. And this type of like a continual, like uh, shattering sounds that are shattering to them might sound very normal to us. Uh, and it could be anything, you guys. Like I remember one of my kids telling me the most uh, uh, prominent sound and disturbing sound to him was doors opening and closing. You know, it could be anything. So sensory input is a very important one. And I would make sure to give my child a quiet area, a quiet zone. For instance, a little corner where you can put a bean bag. Bean bags are great because when the child sits in there, they get kind of a sensory, uh, they feel like they're surrounded. And that gives them a sense of safety. Um, and maybe uh, noise canceling headphones uh, where they can put those on and just relax in their beanbag, maybe look at a book they wanna look at, uh, maybe listen to music that, they, that is very calming, that they enjoy, um, some, some area which belongs to the child and, and is a place where the child can take breaks. And you will use that all the time. Trust me, whenever you see signs of anxiety developing and the child will start to get to the point where they will use that. They'll just go there on their own. So that is, that's another thing. And then of course, once you have a little bit of a routine going for the anxiety, now you need to deal with the symptoms of autism, right? And this, that all has to do with teaching of skills that are delayed. Um, and so that's really when I think if you can get a team of uh, people together who are uh, either trained or will be willing to be trained um, to work on all the skills that your child might need or not have enough of, be deficient in. And, you know, if you are able to, to have an ABA organization work with your child, great, because they'll provide the team. If you're not, or if you're in a country where that sort of thing doesn't exist yet, then all you have to do is essentially get your a team, the a group of people you can either ask family members, volunteers, or actually hire students, and they can all get trained. Um, and then, of course, Shannon, this is the opportunity to to tell our viewers. Um, our training, all of our training that I developed over the years, many people at CARD developed over the years, are on uh, our, our uh, website called Institute for Behavioral Training, IBT, what is it? IBT.org, right? Or IBT.org, yeah. Yes, IBehavioralTraining.org. Don't let I, me forget though. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the little um, the the little speech about what is available this week from IBT right now. But don't let me forget that once again, Dr. Grampiche, you've you started to answer a question that somebody wrote without seeing the question. So don't let me forget to come back to the sensory question. Okay. Um, but, but as Dr. Grampiche said, there are two wonderful resources for you: um, skills and the Institute for Behavioral Training. Anyone can have access to these things. Um, uh, they, they are different but separate, and they are great tools. So if you want that training that Dr. Grampiche was just talking about, that's from the Institute for Behavioral Training. And if you want curriculum of what to teach, the IBT will tell you how to teach it. Um, skills will tell you what to teach, and it will also give you some tips, but you really will want to use them in conjunction. Uh, I'm going to give you a phone number in just a second where you can call to get a discount. So get your pencil out and get ready. Because first we're going to tell you about the free things that are available this week. So for IBT right now, um, this week they're offering a, a module that is parent useful strategies for your home. This is such a great training, you guys. I love this training. And it's being offered to you free right now, wherever you are. Uh, so keep, get your pencil ready because I'm going to tell you in a second. For educators this week, 
this is brilliant. And anybody who has a child who's in school, going back to school, ever is going to be in school, you want to make sure that you connect your educator to this information because this week they're offering the educator behavior management training module free of charge. You know, it's parent, uh, you know, uh, teacher appreciation week is coming up. So parents write it, write an email to your teacher right now and say, Hey, there's this training for free. I want to connect you to it. Here's what you need to do. And you'll give them the information educator behavior management. This is the keys to the kingdom says the former teacher. Um, they are also continuing to offer their registered behavior technician 2.0 training, which is a big training. It's a 40 hour training. They are offering that to parents, but it's on a case by case basis. You have to be willing to do that 40 hour course. It's self-directed. You could do it in the amount of time that you want to do it in. It's not like you have to be there on Tuesday at two o'clock, um, but you need to contact them for them. And they are also offering a 10% discount on any skills product. What do you need to do to get any of these free things or discounts? You need to call 877-975-4559. Say that you heard about it on Autism Live. You can use my name, drop my name and say, you know, Shannon said to ask for the friends and family discount. That's my little joke. 877 877- Nine seven five four five five nine. Again, eight seven seven nine seven five four five five nine. Now, for many of you, you are watching and you are out of the country, and so that toll free number may not be of use to you. So, what I would like for you to do, if that is the case, and this has been working, it takes a little extra time. There's an extra step. I want you to email me. Uh, email me and say, I would like to be connected to these free trainings, or I'd like the RBT or whatever it is that you would like my email. And I'm sure Traven has it up on the screen right now, uh, is, uh, S dot Penrod at autism hyphen live.com. Uh, okay. So S dot Penrod at autism hyphen live.com. But while Dr. Grampiche was offering the last question, she was starting to answer the next question, which she has not seen yet. Uh, somebody wrote in and emailed me and said, hi, Dr. Doreen, thank you for all the information you give us. I wonder if skills can also provide programs for behaviors. For instance, my child is scared of the noise of appliances and he has to take food out of the air fryer straight away when it sounds Otherwise, he screams and cries also. Unexpected noise from appliances makes him mad. I don't know what to do, and I don't have a BCBA on board at the moment. And she said, best regards. Thank so you. you're like a mind reader. Yes, amazing. Um, that happened a couple of weeks ago as well, where I was, I was talking about yes. something that's on 100 and so I, I just want to say a, a couple of things. So skills does have a challenging behavior kind of component or section, which is the CIFA and the BIP builder. So CIFA stands for Cards in Direct Functional Assessment, which, you know, and I've said to our viewers, viewers before many times, whenever a behavior, challenging behavior occurs and we want to try to figure out why is it happening, you have to identify the function. The function is kind of the reason, like why, why is the child doing this? And uh, that is the first step in modifying any kind of behavior. And until you know the function of something, you really can't mess with it because you don't know what the child is trying to, to accomplish. So uh, there's a section on skills that set is the CIFA and you answer questions about a challenging behavior. Uh, and that, that's, that system helps you figure out what the function is. Once you know the function, you then go to the BIP builder, which is Behavior Intervention Plan Builder. And there you will get ideas of now that you know what the function is, <clears throat> these are ways you can deal with it. These are the things you do to reduce that behavior, okay? Now, having said that, I don't know that there's anything on there. There pro it probably it'll be an escape maintained behavior. So your child, what he, what your child is doing, is is their uh, whatever their challenging reaction is. 
they're screaming, hitting, running away, whatever it is, it is because they're trying to get away from that sound, which is very intrusive. And that's an escape maintained. That means they're trying to escape. And that's why they keep doing that behavior. If they could talk and easily, uh, uh, and we're not panicked, they would just say, that noise freaks me out, mom. Don't do that thing, whatever it is. So a very, very easy, uh, and normally with escape maintained behaviors, the intervention we do is a little bit different than when there's fear involved. With escape maintained behaviors, what we usually do is we don't allow the child to escape and we teach them a better way of asking for whatever it was. In your case, I think the easiest thing you should do, honestly, it's very simple. And this is because our kids are sensitive. I had, I'll never forget, I had a little boy who was very, very sweet, compliant, wonderful child. This is what I, I used to work with him myself. And um, this was, you know, he was um, in another country. And uh, he was totally great at school. He was amazing, except <clears throat> about 10 minutes before the end of every class period, he would completely lose it. He would he just, there was nothing we could do. <clears throat> Excuse me. He just would completely start to act out in class and so on. And, and we would always then have to leave, take, the, take him out of class because essentially he was disrupting the classroom. <clears throat> After a while, we realized it's because of the bell, the sound of the buzzer, the bell that stops class and you have to go to the next class. He was in, I think, middle school. <clears throat> That's what was disturbing him so much. And he was doing this behavior in order to get away from that sound so that we would take him to the playground before the sound happened, which is unbelievable. So uh, bottom line, what I was going to suggest is when you want to use this device, this machine, the air cooker, just go over to your son and give him, teach him to put on uh, noise canceling headphones or <clears throat> to go to another room and so that you can actually use this thing. Just help him find a, um, a functioning way, an adaptive way to avoid that sound. I always tell our parents, some some sounds our kids are super super sensitive to and you have to help them uh figure out a way to avoid it it's really that simple like shannon i don't know about you but there are certain environments that make me crazy like if i am in a busy busy environment where lots and lots of people lots and lots of noise honestly within like five minutes i need to leave like i get very overloaded with sound and and, and physical space, you know, like if, if they're in my physical space. So it, and what do I do? I leave. And if I can't leave, I get pretty upset. You told me a story one time about something like this, where I think you were getting like overloaded. And I think either Jam said something to you, like, I think you need to calm down. Yes, this happens all too often. <laughs> I, I, you know, viewers know that I am very sensory sensitive. This is one of those areas where I like am so with our kiddos. And, you know, honestly, I used to think of it as this horrible, horrible thing that I had going on. And now I think of it as a way that I, I connect with many of my friends on the autism spectrum and get it. Although they will tell me I'm twice as sensory sensitive as they are, which is hilarious. And often I, I have people on the spectrum telling me, have you been evaluated, Shannon? Because you have sensory issues more than anybody we know. So whatever. But yes, I, I mean, I've told the story here on the show about how I was so sensory overloaded in a, in a shoe place where we were trying to get shoes for my son that I literally laid on the floor of the shoe place and said, I'm not leaving, yeah. I'm not going anywhere or doing anything. I threw a tantrum like That's one so of our kids. And embarrassed my my husband and my son so badly. But it's so funny that my son notices when I'm escalating sensory-wise, and he will say to me, Mom, I think you need to have something to drink. I think you need to have some quiet. I think you need to relax because he sees me going there. And he sees it more than I do. He recognize the, recognizes the signs before I do because I don't know how to go Still, at this age, sometimes I, you know, you say to yourself, oh, I need to get out of here. 
I don't always notice that that's what's going on. I just get uncomfortable and escalate and then yeah. the, and the top goes. Well, I, yeah. so I get it. I remember being at a birthday party with my kiddo and a friend of mine and her son on the autism spectrum. And we were in this ginormous gym where, you know, they have like the foam pit and, and the kids can be on a trampoline and there's loud bunk, 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 music playing. And, and the ceiling was very high and I was like this. Right. And then they took all of us and they shoved us into this little party room and they give, gave all the kids who were in their socks uh, Kool-Aid, like red, sticky, oh, sweet Kool-Aid, and they spilt it everywhere. So now everybody's socks are sticking to the floor oh, and the music is still wonka, 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 and there's too many people in the room. And her son started to have a meltdown the same time that I started to have a meltdown. And she was like, I don't know what's going on. And, I, and that time, because I saw it in him, I said, he and I need to go to the parking lot. You and Jem are okay. You stay here, but he and I need to go to the parking lot for five minutes for a cleanse. And she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, how can you, like, everything is sticky. Everything smells bad. And, and it's, you know, noise. I just need out. Um, and he and I went to the parking lot for five minutes and then we could come back to the party. Yeah. And she, and she thought I was some genius that had seen something. And I was like, no, I feel that way too. Don't yeah. you feel that way? So anyway, yes, sensory. Oh, it's a lot. I think we all have it, like you said, to some degree. But I think some of some of you handle it better than some of us. Right. And we well, and we have to understand that with sensory issues, the child is not, um, I guess, you know, intentionally acting out. They're just. they're very, very disturbed and they are more disturbed than they can call, you know, their level of disturbance is so high that they can't regulate and control themselves and say the sound of that thing really bothers me. So just help them find a functional way to avoid it. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's a lot though. Um, okay. So I want to go to Sajal says parent of a four-year-old using skills, really great tool. Would you recommend someone for therapy in India, specifically in New Delhi? I, I unfortunately I don't know anyone in India, but I thank you very much for using skills, and I'm glad that it's helping you. Uh, Shannon, do you have any contacts out there? There are other viewers I know who are in New Delhi, so they might have. And we've often said you can just hide, if you know other parents hire people together and we, you know, IBT will help get them trained. I can tell you that we have a large contingent of, of folks in India who are using skills and that some of them have asked for and been able to receive uh, um, some additional support from BCBAs on uh, w- while using skills. And, and they're doing exactly what you're saying, Dr. Grampiche, where they've, they've hired people in the family and trained people in the family using IBT. In India, ABA is still really a long way away from where it is in the United States. There are many more OTs in India, um, mm-hmm. and, and that is more the modality, but more and more uh, people in India are embracing ABA. They're wanting more resources. I just yeah. got asked, I, I don't know about you, but I just got asked to go to India this week. Uh, you know, it's COVID, we can't go anywhere. Um, so we, do, we don't even entertain it. But I, I know that it's a place where as more parents ask for it, I think you're going to see that there will be more providers, but it's underserved, greatly underserved. Yes. But many people are making it work with skills and IBT. But I think, you know, if, if you need more, you can ask for supervision. And I know in certain cases um, that's been able to happen. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Johanny said, I never thought of emailing the list of free stuff to my kids' teacher, Shannon. That is brilliant. I'm so glad that uh, I, I can't believe I'd never said that to you before. Yes, email those things to your teacher and give them for Teacher Appreciation Week. Uh, I used to give teachers, uh, you know, pay for a license at IBT for the training on 
how to set up their classroom. The one that they're giving for free this week, the behavior management. The other one I love is um, the one that helps teachers to know how to deal with kids on the spectrum during an emergency. How about a gift you give to your teacher that you also give to yourself, knowing that your teacher has been trained that in a fire drill or heaven forbid something else, what, how to help your child because these sensory issues that we're talking about, imagine when the fire alarm bill, um, bell goes off and what your child is going through. And if your teacher is trained to know how to effectively intercede, woo, that's some being able to sleep at night. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. We're saying good morning to Christina. She's asking specifically about five-year-old, an early intervention preschool, two days a week. It is written into his plan to have an AAC device, but it doesn't seem like the school is very interested or that they know what to do and they're not really encouraging him to do it. Uh, any suggestions about how to help them to be on board with using the AAC device? Yeah, that's, you know, you have to hold an IEP or an individualized education plan. You have to get the school more committed to this. And honestly, uh, this is one of those things that really annoys me, Shannon, because not only with AAC devices, but all these things that are written in IEPs, I oftentimes no one even looks at them, you know, and it just disturbs me because it's, it's the plan for the child. So you just have to be the, the parent that continually bugs the school and makes sure that uh, they are actually using it, maybe uh, send reminders, uh, contact the teachers constantly, just say, please, I really need this. I need him to be able to use it. His behaviors are much, much better when he uses the ARC device. Everybody needs to get on board, that sort of stuff. You just have to keep uh, asking them. And let's be honest, you could gift them a training from IBT about using AAC devices in the classroom. That's something that you can do. I always say you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, right? Okay. And you go in, right? Try to try to give them the training, try to reward them into doing the thing. Try, but if all else fails, the truth of the matter is that you know you can start saying this is a legal matter. Um, you're not in compliance. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've heard parents say in a letter or loudly publicly is this is equivalent to you saying that my child can't use their wheelchair because this is, this is a disability issue and you're denying him his voice by refusing to use this, uh, this device. Would you do that if my child were in a wheelchair? Sometimes you can shame them into it, but if you can't, like, if you tried all of those things, then you start lawyering up and doing all of that fun stuff. Uh, Kimberly says, I have a teenager son that is 17 years old. He's on the spectrum. He gets huge anxiety when he is reminded to do things he already knows how to do. Do you have some advice to help him with his anxiety during this time? So why don't you write back in Kimberly and tell me what behavior you see that you think is anxiety? Um, what does he do um, when you remind him to do things? Because that's a demand-based type behavior, demand function. Like he, you are asking him to do something. I want to know how he reacts that you think it's anxiety, and then we'll talk about it. Can I also ask, too, if he already knows how to do it, why why are we reminding him to do it? Did he forget to do it? or Because or, or, I know... You know, I have a 17 year old and when I remind him to do something that he was going to do, he does not like it. I wouldn't say that it causes anxiety. I would tell you that it ticks him off. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have 17 year old nephews that are not on the spectrum and they are the exact same way. Yeah. And it, remi and it reminds me of that typical two year old thing when, when the typical two year old says, I do it myself. And they're yeah. so furious. I do it myself when you're trying to do something for them. And they're like, yeah. Get back. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And what is that? That's control. And that's kind of what I was talking about before is that a lot of times, uh, one of the things that really disturbs our, our kids and, our, and particularly all teens is, is they want control. 
They want control of their own decisions, their life, etc. But isn't that a good thing? Yeah. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? Isn't that one of those things that it's like, boy, they're right on schedule. If it's 17, they're wanting to lead their own life. You know, that's the good news. I, I think for me, the scary part is, have I, have I given him enough things? Does he know enough that he can? Yeah. And I, and I try to focus my energy there. Um, I don't know. Uh, in the meantime, Felix says, hello, my uh, 10-year-old with autism gets very upset. He says his voice sounds like a girl and that there's something in his voice. He gets so upset, he hits himself and we try putting him in front of a mirror and there's more, let me find it, uh, and asking him what he sees. And he says, uh, he says a boy. So I don't understand why he keeps saying he sounds like a girl. This has been going on for many months and we don't know what to do. He sometimes won't speak and will just point or use his head to answer yes or no. What can we do? We are waiting on card services to finish our process with insurance to see when we can start services. We are in New Jersey. Oh, bless you, bless you, bless you. Dr. Grampy-Shay? Yeah, a couple of different comments, um, Felix. And also, if you're waiting on card services, Shannon, we should probably try to get with their care uh, coordinator and see if we can expedite that. Um, but that aside, uh, I, a lot of times our kids don't actually understand uh, boy and girl. It's a very strange thing, but um, they that's been published over and over again. In fact, my master's thesis was also on, on a similar concept. Um, so I wouldn't put too much into that he says his voice sounds like a girl. Um, I would try to, let's, let's not, what I would suggest you do, and I, I have an intuitive feeling about this, but I don't know your child, so I'm going to uh, take a risk and kind of give you my my intuition about it but also before I do that I really want to suggest that you go on do what we just suggested which is go on the CIFA uh, the indirect functional assessment which you can find on skills website and answer those questions about his behavior and help it let's see if it can help you identify the function my feeling is it's an attention-maintained function, which basically means that you are very worried when he says this or when he does these things. And so there's a lot of attention given uh, to try to get him to speak to, um, you know, whatever it is. And so he is starting to realize that um, I'm going to get a lot of attention for this if I just, you know, I, I'm not going to speak. I'm going to say that my voice bothers me, that sort of thing. So it, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Um, it, again, you can never uh, address a behavior until you know the function. Um, it could very well be that he, uh, there's something in his voice that is disturbing him or it sounds odd to him or it has changed. I mean, there's so many things that I would go through sometimes. One of my kids uh, years ago uh, suddenly started having reaction to all kinds of sounds and we couldn't figure out why because he'd never had that reaction before. And we found that he, he had, his ears were clogged because of some illness that he had had before. And so everything sounded muffled. And he, like, you know, he couldn't express to us what that is. He didn't know the word, oh, it sounds muffled. Maybe my ears are clogged. He just didn't know what's going on. So he started getting scared and he started overreacting to it. And um, everybody attended to him when he overreacted to it. And so that became a habit. That became a pattern of behavior. So you really need to kind of look into all of those things. Like, has anything changed in his environment? Is he hearing things a little differently? Um, can you help him? First of all, I really wouldn't um, coddle or give a lot of attention when he says things like, my, my voice sounds like a girl. I would just kind of move forward and just keep going through life and doing the things you do and not even address that until you find out what the function is. 
because I would hate for you to be giving too much attention to it right now without knowing what is really going on here. Um, the other thing is maybe you can have him play with his voice. One way that we play with our voices is singing, right? So we control our voice and we sing and we do all kinds of stuff with our voices. Um, so you can make a deep voice, a high voice, that kind of thing. So maybe what, and don't do it when he's complaining, do it at a different time. Uh, where you just teach him an activity that involves manipulating his voice. Uh, it, because if it is something where he is fearful, that activity will give him a sense of control over it, right? I can actually control my voice. I can control how it sounds, how it, how it comes out. So those are some ideas. But I really do want to suggest that you kind of understand the function a little bit before we do anything. Dr. Grampuche, there are a bunch of apps right now where kids can play with their voice and, and modulate yes. it. And do, would yes. that be something that they could Absolutely. do? Absolutely. Just be careful because I, I remember with a lot of kids, when they get on the apps and they like how it sounds, like it will sound robotic or it'll sound, you know, whatever, then they kind of get hooked on that. And then they start okay. doing a lot of that. So just- Okay, so maybe be careful. Uh, okay, so we got a bunch of questions and not a lot of time here, but I, I want to say um, because I mentioned that it, you could you can get BCBA support with alongside uh, IBT and skills. They're asking, can they get card BCBA support uh, with IBT and skills, for instance, in India? And we also have people writing in saying that same thing in England. They have so few ABA uh, resources, and if you want it, you have to pay for it out of pocket. Um, I don't know if IBT and skills are doing that right now, offering skills support overseas. Do you know, Dr. Grampuche? Um, I think skills is, I'm not sure, but I think skills has some level of support. I don't, I'm pretty sure CARD is not. Uh, I used to, when I was running CARD, I always had a team of people who were doing uh, international services. I felt it was really important for us to be able to help uh, just this kind of activity, kind of getting on Zoom and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I don't think it's happening right now. Uh, we can certainly find out for you and let you know, but I don't think there is anyone who is providing BCBA support. Uh, and if you email me, because um, you're in India, email me s.penrod at autism-live.com with that question. I will forward it to the skills people and we will look into it for you. How's that? Uh, somebody says, my son started ABA three years ago. Can I ask for a copy of his full report for those three years? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, uh, any provider should be able to give you uh, everything that they've done for your child for the past three years. Um, okay, going back to the 17-year-old who uh, feels anxiety, um, and you had, you had asked for them to tell you what it looks like for anxiety. She said he's arguing under his breath. He gets close to a meltdown and um, can be in a safe. I, I'm not sure what that means. But she also said, I asked the question, why are we reminding him of something that he already knows how to do? And she gave a great example. Thank you. He's in a class and arguing with the instructor with what she's teaching him. Totally get that. So this is a great example. I'm so glad that we went through this um, experience here because oftentimes we see a challenging behavior and we will uh, assume that it is anxiety or that it is um, something uh, out of the control of the child or something that we need to uh, you know, take better care of the child. Um, I am not really seeing this as a, an expression of anxiety. What I'm seeing this as is his attempt to tell you or his teacher that he doesn't want to do what he was just being told to do. And um, 
sometimes our children are very smart and we forget that they, the smarter they are, the more able they are to manipulate the people around them. So whenever I see a child who is able to manipulate people, I'm very happy because I know that child is very intelligent and is figuring out ways to get people to leave him alone. And that's what he's doing. What he has done here is he will argue under his breath or he'll have whatever other reaction that notice you're worried about. And I'm guessing the, so when I, if, if you ask me to do something and I start just mumbling, what's happening is that I'm delaying having to do that thing, right? And now I don't know if anyone actually follows through and gets him to do that thing or does he just avoid doing it by doing this kind of arguing under his breath thing right even if you follow through and make him do it there's a delay so he gets this period of delaying what you just asked him to do and so uh, the way to deal with this is to completely um, not allow him to delay that uh, thing you were reminding him to do. Great, we do follow through, perfect. Do it immediately. So when you ask him to do something and as soon as he begins, don't address the arguing at all. Don't even talk about it. Just uh, prompt him through the, the activity faster. Like for instance, if you ask him to do something, maybe give him a, maybe set a timer at the same time that you're asking. And if he starts arguing, uh, the timer will, he'll run out of time. And that is not a good thing. Uh, I remember, you know, when kids are really young, Shannon, you know how you say to them, I'm going to, you know, please go put your shoes away. And then you just start counting one, two, there's no, uh, you know, consequence established, but they panic and they like immediately get it done. Uh, timer does the same thing even if he there's no like we, we haven't even said to him you need to do this before the timer runs out but our kids figure that out very quickly and they stop doing all those delay tactics and they actually get the thing done and then that habit is gone so try that I'll, i, I want to say please come back and talk to us because if it really, if there is underlying anxiety, the timer might actually increase the anxiety. So I want to make sure that it works. And if it starts, you know, and again, there's this other thing called extinction bursts, which I need to talk about. Whenever a child is doing something and it's been working for a while, and now you're not letting him get away with it anymore, um, they might get worse before they get better. So they will get like, the, he might argue more or louder and then he'll realize, oh no, my timer went off. And when my timer goes off, they're going to like take something away from me or whatever it is, then they actually fall into place. But initially the behavior gets worse before it gets better. I just want you to know that. And I just read the parents said, I like that idea. So I'm glad we're going to give it a shot. And I hope you can see all the people who've written in and said thank you for addressing their questions because there are so many of them. Um, somebody wrote, greetings, my child is three years, six months old and recently he's so de uh, so dependent when eating. He dislikes using his hands. Uh, how, yeah, I wish we could know a little bit more about how he is using his hands to eat does that mean he's not using utensils or uh maybe if, if the parent could explain a little bit about and this that was somebody, and this was somebody who wrote in on the live feature so i'm not sure that they're still watching but um let's move on to another one and let's see if they write in but uh somebody else wrote i really need help with my two-year-old son my doctor believes that my son has autism my son is so hard to deal with what do i need to do differently to make my son behave oh if your child is two years old um i please get with a really good high quality aba provider now, first of all, you will need your doctor to give you the diagnosis one way or another. If they think it's autism, they need to write it down. 
and they need to recommend applied behavior analysis, ABA, applied behavior analysis. And so then you, with that in hand, you call your insurance company, if you're in the US, and you say, I want an ABA program. And they will refer you to a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of different providers. You can also go online and look. Um, I would love to get a, a chance at, at seeing your child, treating your child. Um, in fact, yesterday I was able to uh, get card leadership to agree that we will do an early intervention clinic in one of our one of the states, just so that I can. A lot of our parents here don't know that I am in the middle of doing a study to prove it once again that children with autism, uh, some children with autism, can actually recover and lose all their symptoms. So, I am taking in two-year-olds and three-year-olds and doing very very intensive programs with them. Um, we have now decided at CARD that we will open a clinic that is uh, only dedicated to that, to early intervention, intensive early intervention. And, um, you know, if your child's two and you're in the U.S., contact CARD and ask to be put in touch with either me or Evelyn Kung, who is the clinical director because uh, she and I and a couple of other very senior supervisors at CARD will be overseeing this group of children. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want the rest of the families here to, to be upset or sad about it. It's just that it is a lot easier when it's a two-year-old, you're dealing with a child who's just developing symptoms. So it's, easy, it's much easier to reverse those behaviors um, and you have a lot of time and insurance companies, payers usually will fund early, early intervention. Okay. And so I, I just want to say to folks, if you need, if you would like to, you can email me and I will make sure that you get connected. If you feel that you're in this category, s.penrod at autism live.com. But I also do want to let people know you can go to centerforautism.com. There is a button on the website and you can click enroll and you can start the process. Um, they will pretty immediately, it, it's an automated thing where they will pretty immediately, you know, ask you some uh, questions about, do you have a diagnosis? They will ask for insurance cards to see if, um, if your insurance will take card. And that's, that's absolutely a way to go once you get started. But if you want specifically to be, if you're interested in this other program, and if you would like, um, email me. And for our family that said, we've, we've kind of glossed over that before, the family who said that they're waiting to start in New Jersey, I would appreciate it if you would send me an email, s.penrod at autism-live.com. I don't talk about it here on the show, but I also head up the area of card that does orientations for new families. So I very much, if you're new to card, it's very important that I would love for you to get connected, certainly not just to me, but to a whole team of people that we have working. It's because so many of you said we'd like a, a, a kinder, gentler entry into card, and we're trying to make that happen for you. That's something very near and dear to my heart um, because I, I remember what it was like getting started. It's hard. It's hard and we want to make it a little bit easier. We're out of time, but Dr. Grampichet, I just want to say how much we appreciate you and the time that you spent and the care and the love that you show to our kiddos and to us and to our families. It is, it's palpable. And and the respect that you give all of us and for what we're feeling and what we're going through, it's just so very appreciated. Thank you so um, much. No, I, I, thank I you. I love you and I love doing this with the families and I appreciate everybody joining us for this hour. Well, um, we appreciate you because we know how valuable your time is. I want to remind everybody, we're back tomorrow um, on the show live. We've got a special guest who's showing us a new app that's called Gomanda. Uh, and I can't wait for them to reveal that to us. And then on Friday, we have Vince Redmond, licensed marriage and family therapist, who's going to join Nancy Allspaugh Jackson and myself for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. If you have questions that you feel 
would be better served by being answered by an LMFT, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Go ahead and send me questions for Vince uh, at any point. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, I'm going to say to you, uh, please give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. But please stay tuned. We have a message about how you can be helping more people to know about Autism Live. But bye-bye for now. Goodbye, Dr. Grampy Shannon.